Welcome to your next step of the self-publishing mountain. I'm Matilda Swift, author of Quintessentially British Cozy Mysteries. And I'm Samantha Cummings, author of young adult books about magic, myths and monsters. I've written the books. Changed their covers. Tweaked their blurbs. Tried tools from a dozen ads courses. And I'm still not seeing success. Now, we're working together to plot and plan our way from barely making ends meet to pulling in a living wage. Join us on our journey where we'll be mastering the pen to snag that paycheck. Hello and welcome to Pen to Paycheck Authors Podcast. I'm Matilda Swift, here with my co-host Sam Cummings, and we're here to write our way to financial success. We're two indie authors with over a dozen books between us, and still a long way to go towards the quit the day job dream. If that sounds familiar, listen along for our mastery through missteps journey. Each week we cover a topic to help along the way. This week's topic is going to be writing to brand guidelines. But before that, let's do our wins and winges of the week. Sam, what's yours? My win is that I went to the theatre um, on Saturday mm. night with um, a big group of friends. Like some people I knew, some people I didn't know. Um, made a new friend and saw Hamilton finally live <gasps> on stage. Four rows Amazing. from the front. Smack dab in the Ooh, so, <laughs> where, yes. where did you go see it? That was at the Palace in Manchester. It was the last night. So, you know, like closing night is always like so fun at the theatre. So everyone was like it, just top performances and you could, you could see everyone was having a great time. So, yeah, like I feel like I spent a lot of time feeling like I should always be working, working, working. And this weekend I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to go and have some fun. And I dropped tools and I got the hell out there. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's so exciting. Yeah, I did want to go and see it, but this is where I'm going to sound a bit like a, um, it's a real brag. Like I went to see it in New York and I feel like I can't go and see it anywhere mm-hmm. else. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, I'm so privileged. I ruined Hamilton for myself. Um, <laughs> yes, but it was so good. I saw it at the Richard Rogers, not the original cast, but it was just phenomenal. And you know, when you see something in its home, I yes. just feel like if I, like I've been to the Palace in Manchester a number of times, like where I went, you know, as a kid, I've seen Rocky Horror, there. I've seen Les Mis there. Um, I I feel like I've only seen Hamilton at the Richard Rogers, and so now it sort of belongs there. But it is inconvenient because I do really like Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> um, my win this week is also theatrical. So my birthday is back in October, and for my birthday last year, my brother got me two Agatha Christie related events that were on the same day in London. So I had to get the train down to London on Saturday night. Got to stay with my friend, who in fact I stayed with when I went to see Hamilton, um, because she used to live in New York and now she lives in London. And I see it with her and got to see her and her husband and her baby who were back from the US just a few weeks ago. And they're back today, which is great. And then I went to an Agatha Christie walking tour and made some great Agatha Christie loving friends. It was so much fun. That sounds um, amazing. To, it was so good. Yeah. Um, and then I went to the old courthouse in London where they stage Wits for the Prosecution. It was amazing. It I was literally, I could not have been more front and center in the stage. Um, and it was not a very high stage. It was like front row was felt great and very engaged. It almost felt a little mm-hmm. bit scary because there's a lot of scuffling and I felt like someone was going to fall on me, but in a good way. <laughs> um, it was so good. It, I, I have a terrible memory of props generally. So I'm pretty sure I've actually read Witness Prosecution, but I didn't remember it. It was very on brand for Agatha Christie. The twists were not, you know, unexpected but they were good twists they were done really really well uh and just very pleasing and it's i I, that's what i like about Agatha christie it's like a real comfort like she's never 
a million miles away from her niche, but she's always Mm -hmm. really doing it satisfyingly, satisfactorily. Um, And yeah, and really fun. So it was excellent. And just such good staging, really good production. I would go and see that again. Um, It sounds like um, when you say like, it's really like to her niche, mm -hmm. like it's almost as if it's to her brand as well. (laughs) yes exactly yes um it's interesting actually because when when we were on this walking tour in the morning we were talking about all the different things that she's written and she's written a number of plays and I would say playwriting is not her greatest um skill I think her novels are better than her plays I have been in an Agatha Christie play um as a suspicious foreigner so obviously a criminal and everyone thought I was a murderer and I will not reveal if I was a murderer or not but people were suspicious from the off um (laughs) yes I think Playwriting is not her forte, but she absolutely loved it. And it's interesting that she never set a book in the theatre, which you would think she would, because she was obviously there a lot. She liked the world. Um, so, yeah, I think it was maybe she's stuck with her brand of upper class gentry. Actors and actresses could wander into that world, but they you couldn't set a book in that world. So that was quite mm-hmm. interesting to think about. Um, yeah. But, yeah, definitely in her brand. Um and then I'm in fact going to the theatre tonight again. That's why I'm slightly dressed up. I don't can see. I'm going to a local theatre uh, to see Hay Fever, an old cow play, which should be very good. I've got a couple of friends in that. So I'm rushing up to that straight after this. Amazing. We're so mm. just, you know, women of the town, going to the theatre. Yeah. So cool. Getting better. <laughs> <laughs> Do you also have a winner um, for this week? I, uh, I don't think so. I feel like... My whinges are always just like about time management. Um, so I just keep those to myself because it's just purely a me thing. <laughs> yeah, that's magic you have not got all the time in the world. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I don't know if you watched when you were a kid, did you watch Bernard's Watch? Where it's like I the little kid that's Bernard got a watch that can stop time. I would love Bernard's a Watch. Dream. I think about it so would... often. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> think of the things we could get done. Oh, yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah, so do you have a whinge this week? Um, I think my wind is going to come up very shortly because it is my failure to complete the task we assigned this week. Okay, so, yes, mm. moving swiftly into that. <laughs> Did you happen to come up with a better name than Brand Guidelines this week? I did. Um, or I I think my name is more whimsical to me and doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. encapsulate the idea of brand guidelines but I thought I'd rather have something <laughs> that was for me so I'm calling it the Matilda Swift Manifesto because oh, I love a bit of alliteration yes. yeah. <laughs> that is a delight <laughs> yes um it doesn't work for everyone and to be honest it's not it sounds a bit like I'm gonna you know take over the universe which mm-hmm. I'm not currently in the plans um it sounds a bit militaristic for a cozy mystery yes. author but I like it a manifesto yes. you can have a manifesto of change it's a manifesto of my yeah. brand so that's what I'm going yeah. for did you come up with a better name oh, that sounds well I just went with well I already have a document um uh, which is called the, my author bible which is mm. like the the place where I stick all of my like research into like do's and don'ts of my brand um and my genre um so I just went with brand bible because it fits mm-hmm. in <laughs> and, mm. and I love the idea of um like religious connotations aside just the idea of having this like this bible type document where like I apologies this um is insulting to anyone but I just like do, like worship my own brand bible 
I don't know if that's blasphemous. Um, my apologies. I don't know either. I wonder what the etymology of Bible is. I love etymology. That is one of the things that's yes. going in my manifesto um, is things connected to etymology and like wordplay. Mm. I have that in some, yes. lots of stories. And I have a number of friends that I just swap etymology links with. And it's I'm just leaning into my little old lady, my internal Miss Marple. I'm a huge etymology person. I'm constantly, um, whenever anybody says anything about words, I'm like, where did that word come from? Straight on Straight Google. on etym online. <laughs> oh. Yes, like, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, my last, just to, uh, as a quick segue, my last one was looking up where tofu came from, where the word tofu um, oh, originated and stuff. So where that, that was from? fun. Um, it is Japanese. I think one of my friends uh, said that it was Chinese. And I was like, no, I, I think it was Japanese. Mm. Um, or maybe it was the other way around. I see, I've already forgotten. I didn't write it down. That is a problem with etymology. Um, I absolutely also always forget. It, yeah. it was um, it, it was to do with, like, well, obviously, like, the two parts of the word. So, to was dough, and it stood mm. for beans. And then fu, which means fermentation or fermented. So, it's like fermented beans. And I, mean, I just love it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so so sad um, and as like uh, my last word which was <laughs> yesterday was mortis um Ooh. like a mortis and tenon joint in a piece of furniture which i thought was gonna be death related like the mort because yeah. you call i just recently learned you call the part of a furniture that's like the part like if it's a cabinet without the drawers put in um like just the frame you call it the carcass which sounds horrible um as a vegetarian yeah. does not sound great um but so I thought, and then I thought, like, oh, maybe it's something to do with like, the death of the carcass. It was not. It was from, like, I hate an item online. It was from like mysterious roots um, from yeah. another language that we're not quite entirely convinced. Mm. Which, I love the fact that um, like a chest of drawers without the drawers was a carcass. I love that. Yeah, I think it's just a fancy word mm. for frame. But it does make yeah. me think like my my kitchen is full of carcasses, which I don't yes. adore. <laughs> just tell everyone you meet. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I love technical words. I love, I love, yeah, language and vocabulary. And that is definitely going in my manifesto about yes. finding ways to have wordplay. Um, my new series is going to be set in um, a sort of book town, which I feel like I need to find a way to explain book towns really quickly and easily. I can need like an elevator pitch because I'm going to research like, are they more common than, than I'm aware of? Because there are book towns in the UK. There's one in England, mm. one in Scotland and one in Wales. Um, mm-hmm. And they are just like officially designated towns full of bookshops. And they're not even that yes. full of bookshops, I would say. Like I've been to I've been to one and it just had quite a lot of bookshops. Um mm-hmm. and some of them are quite new. And they're really just sort of tourist ventures, um yes. to attract people to a certain area. But they're great. I've been to Hay and it was wonderful. I could live there. Um so that's Hay on Wine. That's that's in Wales, but it's right on the edge of Wales. It's very accessible kind of from anywhere in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so I'm having a book town and within that I want to have a bit like if you've ever read the Jasper Ford series, the Thursday Next, like lots of literary references and sort of like wordplay around books. Yeah. So that is exciting. I'm going to start that soon. But I think that will maybe give an indication of how far I've got with my manifesto and that it is currently up in the air and it's up in the air for good <laughs> reasons. This is one of those topics which we talked about, I think, right at the back of the start of the podcast um, mm-hmm. where... It turns out to be a bigger topic than I thought it was going to be. And actually, I've had to spend the first week just researching, get my mind around, like, what does belong in brand guidelines or my manifesto? What belongs in it? What aspects do I need to decide before I can even start doing the deciding? Yes. Um, yeah, because I hadn't got a document like this before. And I've seen uh, drafts of, of various kind of similar things to me that look really good. I'm really 
cohesive and I really struggled to figure out like what it would be that wasn't just a style guide like just visual like logos and colors and things and fonts and kind of a sort of Pinterest board of inspiration but we we shared quite a few good articles this week that were on the same on the topic which we'll put in the um, show notes because they Mm -hmm. were really helpful and lots of them were specific to authors and some of them weren't and they were really good about kind of thinking what belongs under your brand and I actually think I want to keep thinking about that because when I was looking at different ones I kept having ideas of things that were slightly outside of what I thought was a brand topic so one was even like pricing and discount strategies I think that's a part of your Mm. brand that actually I hadn't considered um and even like the format the formats that you have available like if you're a brand that appeals to older readers you would definitely want to have large print and audio um and that that can be part of and again that's like how how much is that part of your brand and how much of it is just like a thing that you do I think that's where I'm sort of still mulling a bit before I start making something. Did you have any thoughts on that direction? Yes. Um, yeah, I've, I have put together a very like brief brand Bible, as I'm calling it. And like you say, uh, mm-hmm. the things that I covered were things like um, my logo, my strap line, uh, my typography. So I am going to be redoing my website. So it does like I've probably dived more into it because I'm going to be rebranding um, mm. and redo my website. So I had some actual like solid stuff that I wanted to look into. But I also um, had to really think about voice and personality of my, like my forward facing persona Mm. as an author for like writing emails, blog posts, social media posts, and really think about who, who it is I'm talking to and how that will um, dictate the sort of language I should be using, the sort of personality that I should be putting across. Um, have you thought was, about that before? Or was it previously you were just being I yourself? Have, I have, I am, I am being myself, but I have also um, made an effort not to. I don't swear a lot in my real life, so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, I probably swear a lot at home, but like not out and about. But I would try not to swear so much mm. in my. Um, my social media posts and use language that is not fit for my target audience. So mm-hmm. it's things like that where I, I had already thought about that, but writing it down and like actually making a rule of the sort of like the language that I would use and the topics that I would talk about has just like refreshed in my mind what I'm doing. It's just like been a, a nice reminder of what I'm doing. A fun thing that I, I did I think that do is was... quite a good thing about having um, a target audience, which is quite age specific because mm. i would say it's the same yes. for crazy mysteries like crazy mysteries there's no swearing there's no graphic violence there's no nudity gore anything and that really kind of gives you a quick and easy shortcut to okay this is the style in which i write like i also i don't swear in my day job because i work in education um but i probably do swear a fair amount around the home i'm english it's very hard not to yes. <laughs> it's hard not to swear it's just part of our like <laughs> punctuation um, mm-hmm. But I would never swear in anything related to writing, like in books, yep. in social media. And I would, I, I very, very rarely even post things about like an alcoholic drink because I think, you know, the the readership is quite varied in their kind of attitudes, that sort of thing. But I wouldn't want someone to feel alienated and that they didn't belong because I had posted things that felt very far from their own experiences. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not it's not difficult to just like, 
select the parts of myself that belong most in depth on it also helps me feel a bit more branded yeah and um like it's because you're like as an author you are the person who is like it's all it's all you you're doing everything but Mm. being choosing like the persona that you're going to put forwards does at least it gives you a nice clear line of like who you are at home and then who you are professionally is like I think that's quite an important line to draw because like you say you wouldn't act or speak in a particular way in your day job because Mm -hmm. there's there's a line so it's uh yeah it's like quite a I hadn't really thought about it that deeply but this week I have been thinking about it like oh yeah, that's an interesting way to think of myself. Mm-hmm. I also did a, a Venn diagram just for fun. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the most fun you can have. It's mathematical yeah, so, uh, diagramming. Um, so I made like I made a diagram. I also did some um, like keyword research, mm. um, which I call my essence um, research mm. because it is like the things that people will expect from like what I'm talking about so I've just kind of given myself some good key like buzzwords to use when talking about my books and like when when thinking about planning future books as well like the the keywords that come up for young adult books what people are expecting I've made myself a nice little list that can um, hopefully help me navigate any future stories that I'm going to write so I feel like I have Mm. done some like some really good work but I do feel like it's all very surface level and like you're saying with like price points and formatting um and even like well, can I just also can I ask you about you were saying about it was going to help you with the books that you're going to write yeah um I do I feel like some of this has felt like because you do do all the jobs yourself and as in one does all the jobs oneself um mm. it it sort of feels like I already know all this and often if you're writing like I work in a publishing team as part of my day job and we, we do kids books that are learning English for kids that are learning English and for that we have a star guide so that everyone can check it you know rather than asking one person over and over again um it's it's a you know mutually accessible document which is uh, for all of us to access and all my stuff from my branding manifesto I'm just telling myself things that I already know and I think mm-hmm. that's part of maybe also what's stalling me is like I think I want to use it more of like an exploration and a learning experience of putting it together um because I know what I write about and obviously part of this is repeating things that we've done this exercise to an extent already and we're looking at niche 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 um work figuring out like what are my areas of focus like what do I post about on social media because that's my area of focus there's a lot yes. of overlap in that and I still I, I feel like I'm there's something I I could do that would go deeper with this that would help me more than just putting together like a guideline for me to reference of things I already know that feels a slightly unnecessary exercise and I I feel mm-hmm. there's something else in there that I'm not quite getting to yet have you had any thoughts like that I do feel like I have been um just going over things that I already know I it's a bit helpful because I've like my brain is very 4d <laughs> Mm -hmm. like I've got everything going on at once it's like it's a crazy world up there um so it's helped me like putting all these things into one document has helped me feel like I have like captured something and like I've tagged it down to the ground and it's not going to float away so that's just how that's just how my brain works like I like to write things down or put things in a document because to me that effectively means that I've made it real (laughs) and it's Mm -hmm. not just thoughts buzzing around um but I 
I do feel like I haven't grasped the importance or the usefulness of the document just yet. Mm. And so, obviously in future, you could, you know, the hope is that you would have like so much work to do because you're so busy and important and successful that you have a virtual assistant and they use them. Mm-hmm. So that is yes, great for your future stuff. But like I'm someone who doesn't even have... <laughs> I hate saying this. I don't even have a serious Bible. I'm such a bad author. I have got a book. Like, and, and cozy series are ongoing series. Like, you could write mm-hmm. 20 of book of a book in the same series. Um, I've currently got a series with seven books in it. And I have to search each time to find things out, like what someone's eye colour is. I'm not even sure I know where the character's eye colours. I probably have written them down somewhere that I've forgotten completely. I just try mm-hmm. not to reference it, if I'm honest. <laughs> 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 it doesn't go often. Thing. Like it just—it depends on the sort of person you are. Some people, I think, thrive with with having that sort of level of uh, information. But mm. I don't think it's important for everyone. And then, mm. if you want it to be important, I suppose that could be something you would build into all your like process documents. Um, I like, just—I I think the problem I don't is when I started a new series, I really thought about making a series bible because people talk about them so much. You think that must be really important, and people do say, "Oh, it was so vital." I kept forgetting all these things, but I just—I don't know what's going to be important in the next book. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I know the Bible. Yeah, I think like I love that people plan series and they have like, oh my god, like the level of detail. You know, like they're like sticking post-its all over walls and they're moving mm-hmm. things around and they're doing all this that is not how I work it's not for me and I think no. I think it's great like I love it I love seeing people who are that organized and can have like such big ideas and and like wrestle with them so that they put them into this shape and they've got like to reference like JK Rowling even though like obviously not the best person to talk about not but great. yeah f- famously she posted a picture like years ago of the, the, how she'd planned the series and it was like one of the most intricate things I've ever seen in my life and I was just at that point in my like writing career I was like I'll never I could never do mm-hmm. that but I've come to learn that that's just not for me mm. so maybe it's just not for you yeah I definitely and, and that is part of like a plotting planning journey is mm. I, I think I always think it's a mystery I should plan it out more um but I just really have no sense when I'm planning things of like how how big something feels on the page so I've had books before where like I really tried an experiment where I was trying to I know we're going off topic here but it feels kind of related <laughs> I had an experiment where I was trying to um write non-linearly so and to do that you obviously have to plan quite a lot um so I was trying to like jump around a bit and, and speed up my writing by just writing the bits that felt interesting right then um and so I'd planned this book really really carefully it had and I really like having a lot of side plots in my book I think that keeps everything feeling um more connected in a way that feels like it's a satisfying mystery like you're you're tying together lots of different threads mm-hmm. um and when I tried to plan that I had to rewrite the whole book I had to excise like two enormous storylines because they just they took up so much space for no good reason they sort of tied in but not not enough to warrant the space they took up um there's like a whole family who this is why i need a series bible because i i can never quite remember if they're still in the series or not because i'm pretty sure i read them from one book and i do occasionally (laughs) reference them um or i often think like oh wait i want to reference them but i think they don't exist anymore um yes so yeah and so i think i i think i kind of want to persist with the idea of trying to get more ideas in order but so clearly 
detailed plotting is not for me. Like when I write yeah. a mystery, I write a relatively loose plot and I will leave whole portions out. And then I write the first 10,000 words. And then I get a clear sense of like, oh, now we know what the book is kind of heading towards. Because in the first 10,000, you should have seeded all those storylines, all the different characters are going to come together. But even then, mm-hmm. I actually don't, I try not to plot in too much detail because otherwise I, it is wrong. I'm incorrect. I'm every time I'm incorrect about like, what's the catalyst? What's the midpoint? I'm wrong. And I don't know how mysteries work apparently until I have written one every single time. <laughs> um, but I think a branding guideline, I think the thing about it is, is I feel like it could be really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we could find a template that would work for lots of people that to me, it feels like it's going to pull together. It's a bit like a mystery. It's going to pull together a number of threads that are in my head, like waving around like little loose bits of yarn that if mm-hmm. I can like weave them into a tapestry, do you weave wool into tapestry? That's maybe. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. If I can weave them together, then they make a picture. And it's like, oh, now I see where I've been going. So I feel yes. like that's happening in the same way. Like, yeah, it's my mystery writer instincts. I don't know if it's true. Yes. <laughs> but no, hopefully. that's how I feel. Like uh, the the kind of rough draft that I've done of my uh, my Bible thing, um, I feel like I have started something that will eventually shape itself into the document that I need. Right now, it's not. Mm. Right now, it's just like mm. everything that I already know. But but I know that that's wrong. At the same time, like what I know about myself is fine, but channeling it in the right way that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, I think I don't know like, how they tie together all the facts. Like, how yeah. does my like pricing strategy tie together with my colors? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think there's something there. I need, I need like a murder board with like lots of pictures on yes. it and some red string to tie everything together to like solve yes. this puzzle. <laughs> like, I'm in a police drama. Maybe yeah. that's what my manifesting is. I, want, like. I, I want one of those like see through whiteboards where you can like see people through the other sides <sighs> and like write on it with yeah. white, like white pen and then. Yeah, and then stick, yeah. <laughs> sort of be like that woman. I mean, I've like obviously seeing... got a big whiteboard and corkboard <laughs> yeah. that I think will solve my problems all the time. I was thinking if I just write stuff on here, that'll fix all my problems. I'll be organised. And I'm just my not. My corkboard, which I'm looking at now, is just like and yet another attempt at me trying to to do something and not quite nailing it. Mm. Like, I but think I it's think... actually quite... God. <laughs> I was going to say, I think if we keep coming back to this, because I do feel like, I feel like it's something that I don't see and I haven't seen a good model of, and I think there should be a good model of it, of like, yes. how do how do all the things that make an author go together? Because like, if you were a publishing house, you would have your brand guidelines. Like, I think Joffy Books is a fantastic um, publisher to follow. In fact, I'm just going to write this down as I'll show notes because I want to reference it in there. Absolutely love Joffy Books. Um, run by Jasper Joffy. Uh, a relatively new um, digital first crime imprint that um, I think that publishing houses have very, very comprehensive, clear brand guidelines. Like I was saying, I do in my mm-hmm. day job, we have um, a style guide, we have writing guides, we have visual guides for every series. Um, and so I think Joffy Books is a great example of a publishing house to look at because they're quite new and they're very specific. They are a digital first crime imprint um, run by Jasper Joffe. Um, I was very fortunate. Uh, I had a real burning question because they do a lot of cozy mysteries, but their cozy mystery covers don't look like cozy mysteries. 
um, mm-hmm. and they are always top of the charts. And you can always tell a Joffy Books book because the covers are much darker. You'll you'll have seen they've got like very black covers with like a little cottage or a little village in a kind of yes. glowing scene on the front. Um, mm-hmm. Those are Joffy Books, and they have such a good advertising strategy. Um, again, worth looking at their Facebook ads because they are very good at um, digital marketing. Um, they have such a good ad strategy. They really. I think are the only publishing in print that I would consider um, submitting to at this moment. They're definitely on my list of people to consider um, just because they have good, uh, a good split with authors. They do great work with, in the digital space. Um, but anyway, I met some of their, I can't remember if it was editorial or marketing team at SPS Live last year and was able to ask them about their covers. And it was less exciting than I thought it was going to be. They decide which market their book is most likely to succeed in and if it's english it gets a more dark moody cover if it's american it looks more like a traditional cozy so mm-hmm. i mean i could have guessed that but still it was good to have it confirmed good to have my yeah. you know mystery solved um, <laughs> but anyway they they are very good and they have such clear you can tell a joffy books book from a mile away even though they have multiple authors so that is such a good example of branding um and because yes. they've got a great reputation people look at those books and they think you know, they might not think that's a Joffy Books book, but they'll think, I've seen a book like that. I really like it. And I'll buy that. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we do need these, like, brand Bibles, but I think they need to be bigger, like, almost like publishing house Bibles. Yes. Um, that would contain everything you would have if you ran a publishing house. Yes, um, because we are, that's the thing. We, we often talk about ourselves as indie authors, but we are forgetting the fact that we're actually indie publishers. And mm-hmm. that that in itself is like is such a missed conversation that all indie authors have um, or don't have. We talk about ourselves. Yeah. So we're just like, it's just the, the books, the, just the series, the one-off books that we're publishing. But, but we're like so much bigger and, than and that. I think people start small. So people often say, like, oh, I'm an indie author, then I'm a, you know, what's next like like authorpreneur and then you like you go up and up mm-hmm. and up um in terms of like thinking of yourself in terms of scale but actually I feel like from the beginning you could do a thing as a publishing house or publishing imprint yes um even thinking when you have a book idea would my imprint publish that book <laughs> if I had to mm-hmm. buy that book from an author would I buy that book and say it stands along the rest of my books which I would say for my first two series they don't belong in the same publishing house um it's not helpful because it's too late now um and I like them both but I think I I think this I want to think of the new series that I'm publishing as like my flagship series of 2024 and like it is going to represent the brand it is you know the rich dosman of my my house um yeah and I think that is maybe a helpful way to think of it it's like what would belong in all the business parts and all the book parts together and I might just spend some time looking at Joffy Book's website. I think I often we often look at other indie authors as comps, but I mm-hmm. I do feel like looking at some of the digital first publishers is a good example because they are just doing what we do, but with slightly more things to think about that it would yes benefit us to consider. Yeah, a hundred percent. So obviously, I would <laughs> probably like um like a random thing that's going to take us to next week but the thing that i have been thinking about in terms of all that is like and i think this definitely will come up for next week is something that i've been stuck on and i can't figure out is this thing that i read on 
the website that we'll link in the in the show, show notes, notes is um author branding versus book propositioning and i think that's mm. i think that is what you're like fits under the whole like if you're a publishing house mm. author branding and book propositioning or book positioning is mm. like they're really that they're the two things that i should have been been like two questions that i should have been answering rather than just looking at a brand guideline i feel like i feel like that's more it yeah i i think that maybe that's the issue with brand guidelines is it feels very um all on one level and i think mm. i want to get a sense of like the hierarchy of decisions so i want yes. to have some sort of document that is three-dimensional four-dimensional perhaps mm. it goes into space and time um and it covers <laughs> <laughs> it covers things like you know essentially buying guidelines like of like what book belongs in your in your brand and mm-hmm. how do you position those books and you know how do you market those books they are they're not all on the same level those decisions and I think I'm trying to put no. it into one document in a way that doesn't work but it's very complicated to think about all the levels and how they fit together and I maybe need yeah. I do need a cork board with some red string and some yeah. Polaroid pictures on it <laughs> What I need really is to see somebody else's document mm. that's like specifically for authors who are publishing themselves. But I don't think it exists. It doesn't exist. Like this is uh, this is obviously our like we've we've found a, a gap in the market here where we, we could probably start if we yeah. worked on this. We could probably um, help a lot of people out. Yeah, I mean, I think if we can make the template for it, it would be great to. Yeah. Um. Just do that legwork and figuring out how the layers belong together. How, because mm-hmm. I think that's it. It's like it feels like there's so many disconnected things being an indie author. Yeah. Like one day, because you have to change your prices, because like paperback costs have changed, because paper costs have changed, you go in, you change your paperback prices, but like you do that between lunch and going back to work. Um, so you rush and do mm-hmm. that, but at no point do you sit and think pricing strategy or maybe you do but it's on a day that you decide like I'm clearing the deck to look at pricing strategy and it is not in any way connected on an integral level with other things and I'm sure it is for many authors like I'm sure there are high level authors who are there and thinking about those things all together and who have essentially they're being their own brand managers Mm. or they have brand managers I don't know I think they're being their own brand managers though that just seems like an enormous amount of work to do for someone who isn't necessarily a brand manager who wants to be an author um I was going to say, I think that there probably are a lot of authors who have had somebody else do their brand guidelines, mm-hmm. their brand books for them, but which will have probably, they've probably hired a marketing firm to do their website, come up with that mm. whole, like I've given them a, a like hand delivered a package that they've paid for, but I can guarantee you that costs a lot of money. And that's obviously not yeah. where we are. And it's not where people listening are. Like we're we're trying to do this. But and being as thrifty and spending money as um as like as what's the word I'm looking for? I've already lost words today. Carefully. Yeah, we're being <laughs> like, careful. Care- carefully, yeah. Like we're trying to make decisions yeah. that that make sense, um, and not just spend money for like because we're told to spend money. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm also I think we're very conscious of time, so I feel like I I I can I can see myself if I had started making this document earlier, it being like a procrastination tool. Of like, mm. oh, I need to decide on my my brand colours before I can write a word. <laughs> That's yes. what I see today. 
and I, but currently it doesn't feel like a procrastination because I think I feel like it's very hard for me to feel like I can take the next step professionally without while I'm still sort of like I'm I feel like I'm just clutching a thousand straws all yes. the time <laughs> like I feel like I'm holding them like close to my chest and I'm gonna drop uh-huh. them and I'm having to like hold them in my mouth while I reach out one hand to write a little book and I yeah. just need to I need to put the straw somewhere carefully yes. yeah gosh yes, I so many mixed metaphors today no I know but, but yeah. it just makes so much sense <laughs> like yeah I could uh, immediately know exactly what you mean <laughs> mm-hmm. need to put the straws down yeah but they'll just fall if I drop them so I just need to mm. I need to find a way to organize all these mini straws I'm holding into some sort of shape like build yes. some sort of model with them then I can go uh-huh. away and write a book and be like okay here is the the shape of the house of straw I built oh like three yes. little pigs it's all coming together <laughs> <laughs> or yeah I've seen too much theater and now we're living in fiction land um <laughs> which yeah that's fine that yeah. is how I feel most of the time <laughs> yeah I do find oh. it very conspicuous when I hang up people that are not readers that like maybe 90% of my references are just book book related constantly just mm-hmm. or like child's tv related like Bernard's watch just make a lot yeah. of um yeah references to books that most people have not read um but that was out. what's so nice yesterday about being in this Agatha Christie tour which is like all I all I want to talk about was like mysteries and Agatha Christie was so lovely <laughs> And someone, for you. yeah, someone didn't show up to the tour, and everyone was like, "Oh, is he dead?" And I was like, "I always <gasps> think that. I always think someone's dead yeah. when they don't show up somewhere." <laughs> and people always think that's strange. Yeah. And if you were all the people, they take yeah. this. Everyone takes their little notebooks out. Like yeah. you last saw him <laughs> in witness prosecution yesterday. You can be in the jury, so you can buy seats that are in the jury, and you have to give your verdict if you're in the jury. You get given a tiny notebook to make notes on during the trial. I was not in the jury because I felt that would be too much, too much pressure for me. I would I not take like it. Would be, oh yeah, that would be too much pressure. But how exciting! Especially yeah. if you had like maybe a couple of glasses of wine or something. I think they had, yeah. But they took it very seriously. Yeah. They have like a, a four, you know, a, a four person. They have to nominate. You know, they didn't nominate. They're in their oh seats. Um, and they have to stand up and sit down with the rest of the courtroom. It was wonderful. That sounds great. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Um, I feel like this has been a really fun episode. I've just like. I know. Things that we, the giddiness of things we don't know is where I'm at right now. Yes, 100%. I think that it's like nice and really honest of us to talk about because we could have come on here and tried to spout off like all this stuff that we've learnt and mm. like why everybody else should be doing brand guidelines uh, because we've done it. But that's not what this is about. This is really about like the honesty of people trying Mm-hmm. and failing like it's try, trying, trying and like failing. real time trying to figure out what we need rather than just yeah. like follow a, a, a roadmap because we know roadmap exists so we're yeah. trying to sort that out yeah okay so for next week what are we doing <laughs> next week we are <clears throat> excuse me um kicking off a series of rebranding and relaunching um so we're going to be talking about how authors use branding and i think actually i'm really Mm. I th- it'll be fun to look at other people's books and branding and stuff um so yeah we're going to talk about how other authors use branding and all that fun stuff so do you have any thoughts on that right now <laughs> yeah so I'm definitely going to rather necessarily look at or just other authors look at some digital first publishers look at some really mm. good innovative publishers 
um because they have to make a profit right that that is their yes. their business so they have to make a profit not necessarily from day one but quite quickly they have to have clear business plans they are much more ruthless in terms of like what books can we acquire rather than like i am which is like what book appears in my head i will write that one um mm-hmm. so yeah they're just they're like the next logical step up into professionalism um and i also think i am going to look at some romance authors because romance authors are the masters of the publishing universe in terms of branding Mm -hmm. they are geniuses among us regular folk um how they do it i don't know how they do it so i think they are on it yeah i i I don't know if this is true but i think if i were a romance author i think the confidence it takes to write and publish romance maybe gives you a certain audacity where you can be like you know what I'm doing it and I'm doing it really well. I'm just, this yes. is who I am. I'm hundred percent out there. Yeah. And I think that little yeah. push out into the world um, in terms of confidence makes them have a really clear brand. Not all of them, mm-hmm. obviously, but like definitely the authors that you will know the names of. Like, you know, I have seen a talk from Lucy Score and she was so like a normal person, like seemed lovely and down to earth, but had such a clear sense of who she was as an author. And she has got such a, rabid fan club like she is publishing for them knowing exactly what they want and how to please them um yeah and i think i am gonna look at some romance authors and get a sense of how they align things across their brands um i think because also they're a genre that more than anything else is based on feeling i think their brands do the most to create a feeling and actually i think that's what i'm missing is a feeling in my brand that I really could do with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think looking at it from an emotional standpoint, because that's that's really the, like the huge selling point of books is what emotion are you trying to uh, like get or give people. Mm. So looking at branding as yeah, what emotional triggers occur when you look at somebody's like covers or like, go on their website or just like see the array of. Um, like titles that they're publishing what what is it that ties them all together like that's yeah that's uh, I'm really looking forward to looking at that and to looking at some different authors and seeing like out of all of the the titles they've got published what what is it (laughs) like what Mm -hmm. how have they and maybe it is a visual thing and maybe like our whole point of thinking like I'm only focusing on the visuals feels really 2d but maybe that is I mean that that's what we'll find out, but um, mm. maybe that is what what we're missing. I don't know. <laughs> it's so I don't it's, know. Just, it's just it's just so much work, isn't it? It's just constant work. But I'm really looking forward to like to doing it because otherwise, if we didn't have this podcast and we weren't mm. talking about it, I wouldn't do it. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't either. So it's good to be given that extra shove into doing something that that needs doing. Um, and I think yeah. through looking at these things next week, I will that will help me kind of crystallize some things about my. Matilda Swift manifesto, which I shall yes. keep going with. Mm-hmm. Yes, same. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I'm looking forward to that next week. I am yep. dashing off now to go to the theatre. Yes, have a lovely time. I am Thank going you. to just go and eat dinner and try and get some writing done because I realise the end of the month awesome. is coming up and mm-hmm. I've got deadlines. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, I will speak to you next week then and look forward to catching up and everything. See you then. Yes, and see you later. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Pen to Paycheck Authors. 
Stay tuned for our next episode and don't forget to subscribe to learn how to write your way to financial success.